Welcome to the Jewam Jugs podcast brought to you by Oxford Brooks University Rugby Football Club. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to uh, episode five of the Jewam Jugs podcast brought to you by Oxford Brooks University Rugby Football Club. Uh, pretty chuffed today because uh, I've, I've got some what can only be described as OBURSC club legends on, on the pod this week. Joe Freeman, Angus Johnson, Rude Cody and Hugo Vanessa. Lads, how are you all? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, good, very well, really. thanks, Jim. Yeah, well. Excellent. Very good. What's, what's going on? With, what's happening with you guys now in lockdown? Uh, are you, who's working? Who's not? Um, I've been furloughed, uh, Joe, so I'm, I'm not working currently. What was okay. that? <laughs> guess what about you, mate? I, I am still working, um, doing rural property management. Um, I work in Salisbury, but obviously working from home at the moment, so I'm back yeah. in Northamptonshire. Still pretty busy, which is good. Oh. Ray? Uh, I'm uh, currently in Salisbury, where I live, live with my mother, um, as I've been sent home away from my office. Big up, uh, man. Yeah, big up, mum. Although eight weeks together is getting pretty, pretty tedious. Uh, Mate, for a year and a half. Not quite that stage yet. Um, and then, yeah, so I was working, well, I'm technically working. Uh, in London, you're not far from freedom actually, uh, but it's going well, yeah. Cool, and uh, Hugo? I am very much unemployed at the moment, living out in Hong Kong, so it's, it's great, not doing much. <laughs> very hot, I suspect. Very, very hot, very, very sweaty. Very sweaty. I was going to say, you're a very sweaty bloke in the UK, Dennis. I dread what you think what you're like out there. <laughs> oh, mate, you don't want to do that. It's awful. Imagine humidity. Oh, <laughs> Sweating from his eyes again. <laughs> <laughs> bloody bagels around his armpits sweaty bagels oh. Oh. Yeah, I think hey, we'd all be in the same boat anyway wouldn't we mate so I don't think it's exclusive yeah. to you uh, cool right lads so um, probably important to give the listeners uh, a bit of an idea about when you guys came to the club when did you when did you when we were freshers uh, when you graduated and what, what sort of positions you had uh, within the club We'll start with Rue because Rue's list will be quite short. So, uh, uh, off you go. <laughs> yeah, so jo- joined like, like the other three in uh, 2015. Uh, I studied international business uh, and graduated last year, having done a placement year in my third year. Uh, with regards to rugby club, did virtually nothing in my first year and uh, hung around um, doing probably very little again in my second year at the start and then started to play Properly halfway through my second year and then played second over the ones for from halfway through my second year to the end. Oh, Hugo? I joined again with Rue and the other lads in 2015. Started off in the threes, made my way up to the ones. Um, played front row for the first team for three and a half years. And I was also treasurer as well for a year as well. Thousands of pounds in the sock drawer by the side of the bed. Brooks is <laughs> best treasurer I've heard. Things like those crusty tissues in that drawer. <laughs> <laughs> things have things have moved on significantly since that time. We actually have a bank account. <laughs> cool, jo- I just Joey. Can do it. Don't know how to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Who <laughs> doesn't need cash? Is king, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Joey, Joey, what about you, mate? I um, like the boys said. Joined in uh, joined in 2015. Um, started playing immediately. Uh, I think I was I was pretty inconsistent over the four years through injury and, and picked up little niggles like that unfortunately, uh, but played ones and twos over those uh, four seasons. Yeah. Yeah, I would say you definitely were more consistent in your final your final sort of year and a half. That's for sure. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. I was pretty, I was pretty lucky with injuries in those in those final two years. So that that's pretty good. Um, yeah, and then I was, uh, God, what, what, what was I? I was club um, officer. 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 In my final year, and in my second year as well, I was um, I was kit kit man. Kit man. <laughs> kit man. Kit man. Wow, you were so good at that, to be fair. Yeah. Well, we got yeah. The other person got a beanie, so that was nice. <laughs> Uh, and Angus, what about you, mate? Uh, I joined this is where the, the, well. the list the list of honours starts. Um, <laughs> in my first year, I didn't really um, play. I was bin juice until the last two games, and then played ones. It was sort of a jump from nothing to the ones. Um, and then after that, for three years, played first team and was captain for two, and was club captain for one, and then club officer for the other. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, so, just uh, obviously, it'd be a quite quite a good thing to talk about is what were your experiences like as a you know coming into the rugby club in 2015 compared to uh, compared to what they what they were when you left. I know that we uh, the guys that were on the committee and obviously Rue, who was probably part I would probably say part of the leadership group uh, last season. Um, you guys spoke a lot about leaving leaving the club in a in a better place. You know, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's I would probably say within within our environment, it's pretty true. But it'd be good to get a, an idea of the contrast from when you guys were freshers, so in 2015, to when you to when you left last year. Uh, 2015 was chaos when I started. I, I can't remember who was coach then. Um, Nick Corrigan. I can't remember his name. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and we used to train up at Wheatley, which um, was a good half an hour bus, I reckon, um, on these horrible pitches. Um, hardly anyone was there and there was just no structure to training at all. We just sort of turn up and have a chuck about. Yeah. Um, and then it just, uh, after that year, it really started to take steps forward and definitely improved. Yeah. Cool. Anyone else got any re- recollection? That first year was rank because we just rock up, like I said, rock up the training. There'd be no one there. We'd have Nick Corrigan shouting at us, making us do fitness for 45 minutes. Most blokes would be absolutely dead on the floor and we'd go in like a full contact drill. Yeah, Hugo, do you like remember no that? Structure. The first session when we were freshers, we turned oh, up and he said, right, it had nobody, we didn't do a warm-up or anything, literally within five minutes being there and boots on. He was like, right, let's see who's got any minerals, full contact, 15 <laughs> versus 15. Right. And it was just chaos. <laughs> Michael Wright. Right. I, back, I was like, why am I here? I'm hanging out my ass. <laughs> I've just been a bridge. There so many wounded I'm afterward, here. weren't there? Oh. So funny. And no wonder, no wonder no one came back. <laughs> Freeman had a bit of a different uh, routine. He was the golden boy for the first uh, six months, I'm pretty sure. Him that? and Trimmer. Him and Trimmer were golden boys yeah. in Daniel Briggs. Him, Trimmer, and Fredwoods. <laughs> what? Play that was because Fredwoods yeah. scrapped someone in training when he was bingy, so I remember that. Oh my I remember, God. I remember, because I was, I was assistant coach, I wasn't head coach at that point, and, uh, and Corrigan was like, Nick was like, oh, I love that. I love that. The fact that like Fred Woods is like scrapping people in, in training. It's like, yeah, that's what we need. That's what we need. Like, okay, good. <laughs> I didn't quite enjoy it, but it was funny. It was funny. I, want hear, I want to hear Golden Boy's statement. What? My statement? Mm. Yeah. What, what, what? Fucking awesome. What, in 2015? Now, do you know what? That's five years ago. It's a long time ago now thinking about it. But it was... Um, I remember those dark, horrible nights at Wheelie with the, the floodlights going down. The pitch was like at an angle. I think it was like a 45 degree angle. It was mm. fucking horrid if you were running uphill. 
Um, and I also I remember playing at Wheatley quite a bit as well on that old American football pitch where you got yeah. like, dodging holes and divots in the uh, in the pitch. It was, it was horrible. Oh yeah, sometimes we couldn't train, could we? Because they were like, oh, someone, the coach, would go and have a look at the pitch. Like, oh, there's, there's too many holes from the rabbits. We won't be training on that bit tonight. <laughs> Where's Gav? Oh, he's falling down a rabbit hole. All right. <laughs> what about yeah. you, Rude? What 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 were your uh, what are your abiding memories of 2015? Oh, I mean, I was a bit of a loser, really. I didn't do anything. Uh, I, 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 I turned up training. Part of, I just didn't really put any effort in. Um, it was absolutely carnage, really. Uh, I think that, you know, the organisation now, in terms of how teams are selected and things are organised, much more efficient. Uh, you know, I think I think off, off, off the pitch, that things are far better structured and therefore actually allowed to... Um, and you can see, you know, if, if there are talented players playing in the lower teams, they get their opportunity to move up, I think, a bit quicker. And, and whereas before, I think that, that, that didn't, ha- didn't happen. I think, you know, um, there were a lot of people who were decent players who, who, who were stuck, you know, and couldn't get any higher just because, you know, a lot, there's a lot of mates picking mates and uh, um, you know, a, bit, a bit of sort of backhanded dealings going on, which may be a, <laughs> a bit controversial for some of the boys older than us. Um, but I think, I think it's true. Although on the pitch, you know, we... I think we actually left you know, in the division below that we started. So I don't know how, how, how good an influence we had on that. But off, I think off, off the pitch, it, it was definitely, um, it definitely improved. And the difference between before I went on placement and when I came back is just absolutely massive. I was yeah. thinking about that the other day, Rue, when you were saying about, um, obviously we started and we got relegated in our last year. And that Bucks League, the way it set out, six teams and two go down is just savage. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just yeah. ridiculous. And this is, they need it to be like eight teams or something like that. It's not long enough either this season. Yeah, it's well hard. As it starts, it's over. And, and or, or you, or you look, or you look at, you look at Midlands two A and two B, and they go into a playoff to take one promotion spot. Yeah. yeah. So whoever finishes, they finish top. You go into a playoff, and then you take one. There's one promotion spot. Yeah, but it was bloody harsh. Like, yeah, I, I think because I, I never played in that league because I was on placement last summer in in this, the league they're currently in. Looking at the results this year and from then, it seems like you know we're we're in a sort of midway position whereby we're too good for the league below, but then you know we're struggling to sort of maintain the league. <coughs> you know, there were definitely games we should have won in that in last season. They like Trent away when they scored that dodgy try. Uh, who else was there? Harper away. Warwick. Warwick away. Warwick away. Loughborough. Yeah. Loughborough. Yeah. We to be fair, we were like forty-five no. points down at half-time against. Oh, that was a drubbing. That was a drubbing. That was horrible. Yeah, yeah. my car was after my ping for that one, so I couldn't play. What a shame. Yeah, your cankles are, are throbbing. <laughs> uh, right. So yeah, like obviously, Ruse touched on it a little bit, a little bit there about the difference, you know, from from when you guys started to to to, to when you left. Uh, what do you think? What do you think were the main? You know, what do you think were the were the big factors in that change? I mean, I know that you like obviously being involved with in the club with you guys. You guys are pretty instrumental with regards to you know making sure that there was much more of a performance out. You know, performance focus. Uh, yeah, but it'd be interesting to hear what you guys, you know, what you guys think were, were some of the big differences over your over your time at the club. What what made the I think what made the difference? The team selections because. I started off, obviously, because no one really knew if anyone was any good when we started. I started off in the threes, and I wasn't down to play the Bucks match, but I met Nick Ford, who was the captain of the thirds at the time, in Bridge, and he was like, oh, you play rugby, 
are you playing on Wednesday? And I was like, no. He's like, oh, we're coming with the threes then. And the week after that, I was in Lola's, because Hugo Solo was working on the door. And I was I bumped into Jacob Rollins and he's like, oh, we need a prop, you're playing. So that's like the progression. It's just yeah. meeting blokes for the night out saying, we need numbers, you're going to play. And then like, whilst it was good to get game time, playing a full 80 minutes with a, with a hangover and dying wasn't, wasn't great. No wonder it wasn't like that, that performance base at the time. Then going to where we left, where we had an established kind of leadership group and we'd all meet and, and, and pick teams. And now like that, just the, the natural progression of going from that to, to the end result when we left was, was a reason why our performance has improved and we'd, we'd retain players more. Yeah, cool. Anybody else got any thoughts on that? Well, I, th- I think it's just the switch. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, yeah, it's just this, as you says, it's switching it, the emphasis from the social element to the, to the playing side. And the fact is, you know, as soon as you know, people are being picked through their performances on the pitch and in training rather than you know, who they know, um, you know, it suddenly becomes a much, much fairer system. And I think, you know, you, you look at when we first joined, a lot of people who were big social characters were getting picked to play in higher teams than you know, decent players just because they, they offered more, you know, um, at the time in, in, in social environments. And I think, I think a, a big, big sort of indicator of this is that before I went on my placement, you know, it's socials and things, everyone, you know, everyone who played that day would stand up and chin their pint. And when I came back, you know, the emphasis is on the, you know, the supporters, you know, who, if you didn't play, um, you know, you, you need to down your point, you know, sort of sure, you know, we're, at the end of the day, this whole club was around watching the, the teams play. And, um, you know, if, if, you know if, if you're not supporting that, then it's um, going to be a pretty negative environment. Yeah. Jerry, anything? No, I, I'd, I'd agree. Um, I think in my, in my second and third year, a lot of the boys took on responsibility and that was responsibility that we previously hadn't had. Um, and I think... A lot of it shone through the coaching staff as well. Um, you guys had a, a, a massive sense of belief in us, which we didn't really have in our first year, I don't feel. And when we when we received that belief and we took on the responsibility to better ourselves as, as a team and as a player and as a club, um, I think that had a huge influence on it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I am, you know, you guys know me, I'm a firm believer of actually, if you give responsibility to players and to, and to and let them run stuff, then... You know, whilst obviously you want to step hard and prod and poke and scaffold and, you know, support in the right areas. But if you give players the opportunity to run stuff and come up with their own, own ideas, they'll be more accountable for them. They'll be much more accountable for them and they'll be much more, they'll be, you know, that if they feel like they own it, then there's, there's much more, you know, there's, they'll be willing to work harder for that. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer of that. Uh, it's interesting to hear what you, you know, I, I do think that, that probably, as soon as I became head coach, I was like, why the F is the committee picking the teams? Why why are the committee picking? This is ridiculous. Because it was just everybody picking their mates. And it was just like, what, what is like, what is this? So, yeah. you know, I was like, you're not picking the teams anymore. I, I'm picking well, the teams. I think also, like, not just picking teams, yeah. but you, you come into our matches. I remember in, in first year, we had, like, a serious big match against Coventry Uni away. If if we won that, we would have stayed up in our first year. And we rocked up there. No one was really kind of paying attention. Nick Corrigan comes, rocks up five minutes before kickoff, going, what's going on? And we get absolutely humped 54-0 or something. And it's just like, I think your commitment to like showing up and actually putting an effort in with us more kind of saw us repay the favour and actually try and do something good. 
Yeah, that's cool. That's nice to hear. Uh, you know, but I think you know, if you're going to do something, you do it to do it as, as as best as you can. You know, don't just pay a lip service. Don't just say, "Yeah, I'm going to be the head coach of Oxford Brooks and only be there for part of the time." What's the what's what's, yeah. what's the point of that? Like, look shit on your CV. It's shit on your you know, it's, it's crap for your reputation. What's yeah. The, yeah. You might as well sack sack from Sydney and sack from maybe RFC. My CV. You got the um, blimey, Dan, think... going in on the poor bloke. Yeah, I know. He's going to come to Hong Kong and fill you in, mate. He's a big lad, Dennis. He'd fill you in. <laughs> he does, he, he does <laughs> listen to this, by the way. He's an avid listener. <laughs> Hugo Dennis, he lives in Tower Block. Wait, he, 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 he <laughs> who I, am. <laughs> I remember you, yeah. big head. <laughs> cool. Awesome. awesome. So, you know, there, there, there's some good stuff there around around progression. And, I, you know, I think a lot of what you, you, what you guys mentioned is actually it was, you know, there was some coach driven stuff, but there was also some, you know, some, the players having ownership and driving some of the stuff themselves made a made a really big difference. So that's, that's, that's interesting to hear. Uh, cool. What have been your observations? Obviously, you all look at Bucks Sport app every day or follow us on, on Twitter and whatever. You, what have been your observations uh, of, of things that have gone on this season, if you have any? I think, I think the biggest one for me is the, uh, the charitable nature of the club and how that's progressed. I think I'm a firm believer of like the, uh, the club ethos, building uh, better players and better performance. Um, from what I've seen on social, uh, Tom Wisniewski's done a bloody good job actually this year on social media. Yeah, he's um, smashed it. He has definitely, and the charity side of it is is brilliant. Um, some of the stuff like, for example, the John Graves thing you guys did the other day was unbelievable. Like you could have gone, you could have sat there, Killed but me. to get all the way back is unreal. Yeah, how are your hips, mate? All right. Oh, mate. Felt like honestly, then my hips feel like they're gonna they explode out of the front of my my thighs. Right. <laughs> yeah. 15, 15 kilometers when you've got twenty nine inch inside leg, and you weigh one hundred and eight kilos is brutal. You cracked I don't think I could do it. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah. I've been tired in like three or four of those five k things. I'm just like nah, missing it. I ain't running. <laughs> I think my calves would explode genuinely. You haven't got calves. <laughs> you just got one thigh that runs yeah, straight down. That's so true. You've <laughs> got gutters uh, for legs. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was, you know, just from being part of that, like, I would never have done... So we were split into four teams and all the committee and all the coaches were together in one team. And I would have never have done the amount of Ks that I did if it hadn't been for the team and everybody sort of spurring each other on every day. Like, Amphlet was, like, working all day on a farm, doing, like, 10, 15 Ks on the farm just from walking and then going out and smashing, like, 20 Ks in the evening. And he was just like giving everyone. You could do. I reckon you could do an extra five k's tomorrow, and then everyone would go out and do an extra five k's. It's mad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everyone's really supporting each other, and I wouldn't have done half the half the amount of miles that, yeah. that I did last week. I would have done your five, you know, and just gone home. Um, but yeah, it's been cool. It's been good. Uh, but these, yeah. these are sort of things that would never have happened in our first year at all, or second year for that matter as well. So it's good to see yeah. that's that's progressing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, anybody else got any other observations from stuff they've seen this season? I I may be wrong, but I swear, not many um, games have been lost like across the whole club. I swear you've only lost a handful of games like in total as a club. I mean, Play, played forty eight, lo- play, played forty eight, lost seven. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's, that's a bloody good effort. 
Yeah, it's yeah, silly. That was that was what I noticed when I sort of would check Twitch and stuff and see what the Wizard of Ox had put up like for updates. And there would be very rarely be a loss across all the teams. And there's another. You've got an extra team this year as well, haven't you? There's so next year we'll have five. We'll have five. Next teams. year, next year, yeah. which is pretty impressive as well. Yeah, good game. Five years. Yeah, so like if you if you if you flash that success from this year back to our first year, we had ones and twos relegated, and the thirds just dropped out of bucks. So like in four years, you've now got that kind of winning record. It's a not a bad turnaround in three four years. I mean, it does help, like, being only five minutes away from Cowley helps. Uh, yeah, also, yeah. Harlequins, you know, that is... Yeah, that's so true. You know, the, the fact that no one's getting muddy on a Wednesday and a Friday, on a Monday, Wednesday, or a Friday, because mm. we're playing on a plus burn your skin on the 4G. Yeah, part, yeah apart from, the, like, the, the grass burns. Oh. Uh, that, so, that's, a, that's, a, that's quite attractive, you know, that's attractive, when, you know, and it makes us look professional. So, you know, moving there has been really good. There's some exciting <laughs> things happening at the moment with with a partnership with with Quinns potentially um, uh, that that is going to help us attract more players. So yeah, you know the trajectory is good. We just I just need COVID nineteen to go away for a bit, um, <laughs> or or like forever because it's putting a bit of a spanner in the works really. Um, yeah. Hey, hey. Uh, yeah. So the fourth team last year was Sub Bucks, and they were in the Oxford Uni Leeds, and they'll go into they'll move into Bucks next year. So there'll be four teams in Bucks. One team sub bucks, uh, and also we'll we're looking at developing like a like a halls competition as well. So uh, I don't know how, don't know what that looks like yet at the moment, but uh, it just just to try and retain more more people really, because you know we had two hundred thirty four lads sign up last year, freshers sign up, and nice. only having four teams, there's just not enough. There's not enough opportunity for them. So, yeah. you know, they, they play their first couple of weeks or they train their first couple of weeks, don't get in don't get in any of the teams and bugger off. So uh we'll try to create more of a more of something that sits underneath the, the five teams to, to support to support that and keep those guys engaged really. So yes, it's it's it's, it's cool. It's a have, the, um, have the uni been supportive of it? Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Good, good. That's good to uh, like yeah, as supportive as supportive as they can be. Like budgets yeah, yeah, tight, and you know the, there's lots of but there's lots of so effectively the the, the sports centre are supporting us and taking a business case to the vice chancellor's office. So good. Uh, we'll, we'll 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 see how that how that goes. Good stuff. Well, I think it's good that there's more provision for people who don't. Get into the initial teams because I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember being told, you know, you're not, you're basically not going to play for Brooks this year. Go play for a local club, and then, and then come back, um, you know, come back for next season, basically, which is like pretty poor. When you're trying to sort of, you know, immerse yourself into, you know, university life, and you're being told basically you can't do it. It's mad. It's it, like it's good. it is pretty crazy. And like you know, we I've spoken mm. on the pre on previous pods with some other guys around. You know, you can sort of see why some teams have freshers only teams because yeah. Yeah. you know then it keeps them engaged for for a bit longer but you know but that has its pros and its cons as well um but uh, you know i just think you just got to try and have as much opportunity off offer playing offer as possible um to keep everybody everybody engaged and, and playing anybody else noticed anything else from from this season you know the, the double the cup and league yeah well that, that we don't know yet yeah we don't know yet still don't know so uh all Chase, but yeah, yeah no, no that's cool that's Thanks, cool Hugo. like 
with the cup cup definitely league maybe we don't know uh so all the buck staff at the moment bar like two have been furloughed yeah. so we're just waiting for them to make a decision around whether or not they think we're worthy of, of being promoted but yeah. i do know that nottingham trent twos who are in the in midlands 2a they've definitely been promoted um and they've lost they've lost two games this season we're unbeaten and we beat them in the fight cup final so we've got a good we've got a good argument to say that we should be but yeah yeah yes definitely and we're, we're university of bedfordshire in in the league this year no Freddie Cracknell's favourite. He scored six tries in the first half, didn't he? Yeah, he scored six <laughs> tries in the first half. We were seventy-one nil up at halftime. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so stupid. I'll never, never forget that GC getting out too hard. Well, yeah, they they were pretty poor pony, weren't they? They were. They were terrible. I mean, that is one thing that I would probably say. The standard of standard of team in the league this year is, you know, you haven't. There aren't the whipping boys like there were. You know that year that, that we got our double. You know that we, the, your team got their double promotion. Everyone there is, you know, everyone or everyone can play a little bit. And they're relatively well coached. So uh, yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens with regards to the Bucks leagues. It's, it's it's hard to know. It's hard to know how to plan your season as well for next season if you don't know what league you're going to be in. Yeah, uh, definitely. So it sounds yeah. all positive though, by the sounds of it. So, yeah, yeah, you know, everything's moving in the right direction. It's just, uh, like I say, COVID 19's come at a really, really bad time. Yeah, yeah. Every, but that's not just for rugby, that's for everybody. So, yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah, true. Okay. Cool. So, uh, you guys have obviously chatted a little bit about what you're doing now. So, uh, let's go into that into a bit into a bit more detail. So, Freeman, what what's what's the day today look like for you, mate? I'm living in Clapham Junction. So, as, as Rue said, not not too far away from him, really. Um, and I work, I work over in, uh, in the city, so like Blackfriars Way. Um, I'm working at the moment in the uh, in the consultancy team for a, a property investment and development uh, firm, right? Which is going really well. And um, I'm working uh, towards my APC to become a chartered surveyor, which should hopefully, if I'm unfurloughed and all this COVID thing gets sorted out, um, should be next year sometime. Um, maybe hopefully November next year. Um, which could be bloody good, but I'm I'm loving it at the moment. London life's brilliant, and yeah. uh, my job's pretty decent as well. Very sociable bunch of people, so it's good fun. Thirsty Thursdays, is it? Fast, oh, yeah, basically thirsty every day, a day and a every week. I think, yeah, that's no, good. Cool, good. And guess what about you, mate? What's the uh, what's the day today look like? What's the week look like for? Uh, so I'm working in Salisbury um, in property as well, but doing sort of rural property land management, so that's sort of farms as well as. Sort of houses and that kind of thing um so yeah got just managing big privately owned estates and that's it really uh playing some rugby for salisbury or trying to anyway um i don't need to say much more on that we'll get, um, on, to, we'll get on to what you guys are all doing rugby wise okay like to, like to hear um, about how your yeah, season's gone it's a good it's a good bunch actually it's a good office um and literally live a 10 minute walk from, from the office so it's nice and really? local and living the dream yeah, yeah cool Repeat. Uh, so I'm, as I said earlier, living in London. I'm currently an analyst for a private investment office, um, managing the private wealth of high net worth clients. Uh, it's been pretty turbulent recently. I'm very busy. Um, a bit of quite a sort of rocky, rocky start to to graduate life. But um, uh, yeah, it's um, it's, it's going well. It's really interesting, and I, I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to getting back in the office rather than being sat uh, here in Salisbury at my mum's house. 
Hugo, what about you? I know obviously you are, let's let's just call it in between jobs at the moment. So uh, what <laughs> That's does... That's a very uh, way of, of calling unemployed. Yeah, exactly. What did it look like, mate? What did your week look like? So I was working in recruitment for a, a small kind of boutique recruitment firm. Um, it was pretty full on, so I'd start work at 8 in the morning, way through till 7, 7.30. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'd have rugby training. That was rank, because obviously being in Hong Kong, it's 100 degrees and 200% humidity. So it was rather sweaty and slippery and wet. Um, and then Saturday, I'd, I'd have games. So it's quite a full on week. Mainly, in, uh, obviously, the main, being out of Hong Kong, the main social scene is, is rugby. So everyone, all the expats I work with would, would play rugby. So it's quite a quite a fun introduction to, to working life and quite sociable to start with. Yeah, cool. um, and then obviously now I'm just, in, as you say, in between jobs and looking for that, <laughs> that, next, that next thing. Cool. Hugo. Dicking around playing COD. Hugo. <laughs> yes, Angus. What, what did the guy say the other day as to why you didn't get the job? That your English wasn't good enough. Was that right? Yes. I applied for a, a tutoring job, um, teaching English to five, seven-year-olds in, in a local school. And he, he phoned me up and went, hi, Hugo, thanks for applying, but unfortunately your English isn't where you want it to be. It's not quite good enough. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, what? And then I had it, I had it again. So I applied for a job at, at Deliveroo being their call centre. So if you order a pizza and it's cold and you complain, you phone up. So I, I spoke to the lady, she was Indian. She went, oh, and tell me a bit, a bit about yourself. I said, I grew up in Hong Kong. I said, oh, do you speak Cantonese? I like, no, um, I only speak English. Well, well, clearly your English isn't good enough again and you need to speak Cantonese. So. You know, I have to end the interview here. It lasted a minute and thirty seconds. I was like, right, cheers, love. Goodbye. So it's weird. So it's been it's been it's been successful. Um all, all like especially out here, all they want is just if you speak Cantonese and Mandarin you're at an advantage. So Yeah. Bit, bit, Hugo, they probably had delivery market. probably had you on the list from the amount of food you stole from them when you saw oh, I have sent so many complaint <laughs> emails to them recently. <laughs> Mate, they should be like the amount of money you spent with them when you're at university. They should yeah. like be get like here. Yeah, you can be the CEO. <laughs> I, sh I should. I've paid, paid the salaries. Uh, cool, right, lad. So, what are you guys doing? Obviously, Angus, you mentioned there that you, you're playing at Salisbury. So, uh, you know, what, what's your season? What about what's your season look like? You know, how's it how's it gone for the Marty Salisbury? Um, I got a call. So. Um, Someone from work got me in touch with the rugby club and I got a call the day before a pre-season game saying, oh, Angus, you're around, you want to play? I was like, yeah, all right, I'll play. So they turned up and was starting, having never trained with them and they'd never met me in my life, which I thought was already was a bit odd. Um, uh, and, no doubt, it was a great club. And I, we won one game all season. Um, and lost, I think, 19, which was just horrendous. Um, but we, it was it was strange, really. We had a coach who wasn't really liked by the players, and he stormed out of a team-run session and never came back again. He was never seen again. Um, <laughs> to, to be fair, I've done that before. Do you remember when last season, when I was like, right, we've had enough. We're, this, is, this is shit, we're off. Well, at least you came back, Joe. Yeah. This book, I, I, he turned, so we, um, he left. A, a team run and then we were playing Wooten Bassett a few weeks later and he got off their bus in full Wooten Bassett stash and we're like, oh my god here we go <laughs> um, but no we, so we've been relegated obviously um, quickly but, let's change all our line out calls and backs moves because they're going to yeah. nerve inside out yeah, yeah, yeah not on the air commanders there I still win loads of ball don't worry um, but yeah we're relegated so we'll have a few more local games now uh, on every, every, every cloud there I'll wake up yeah. to Mr. Mags on Sunday morning going, look at this ball I defused. Just him, it's like pristine, claiming 
Or mate, look at this break in here, mate. Ben then off four old fifty year olds. Like, yeah, class mate, you're doing well. I did not I was five five try scorer. Needed try scorer. No, nearly, nearly. Next year, if I'm not, it's an outrage. So, how many tries? Maybe. I scored four this year. No, five. But bear in mind, we were getting pumped fifty nil every game. So I'd say that's a good effort. Yeah, yeah. Good, Where were you playing? You playing number eight? Uh, yeah, I was playing eight or or six. That's, that's no, one, eight, no, one, no wonder you were losing. Yeah. <laughs> Ball control at the back was decent. Yeah, it was good. It was lush. Put it in between my legs and just hop with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all the practice no, on traffic. All the practice on traffic codes used to do in the garden. Oh, so <laughs> I used to love that pre-session warmer. Proper old school, mate. But yeah, well, that's what? my uh, current rugby situation. Cool. RFC, through and through. Rui, what about you, mate? You managing to play at all in the in the city or not? No, I'm I'm currently uh, unattached to any club. If you want to put in a, put in a big money offer, I'm, I'm I'd listen to it. Um, <laughs> other than that, looking at the uh, Wandsworth Common tag leagues in the summer, that's probably going to be the highlight of my rugby career this year. Yeah, mate. When you decide to get back on the pitch again, if you're looking for an agent, I'm a, I'm only charging ten percent at the moment, so uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'll, I'll help you out. I'll help you out. Who's uh, a bit Joey, of a quaid keeper, isn't he? Floating in between clubs. That's all right, mate. <laughs> got to keep your options. You got to keep your options open, haven't you? I can't blame you. I can't blame you. There's so many in London. You might as well try your hand at all of them and see. You know, see. Uh, well, what's all the, get all the sash. No, my placement. I did. I did try paper tinker Bastia Ironsides, and um, it was all right. It's fine. But you know, the, if you're working during the week, or the weekends, just, you just want to hang out with your mates. And um, you know, I like the training. Tra- training two, three times a week was fun. I enjoyed that, but you know, if you, if you can't get out, can't go out and get, can't go to the pub or anything on a Friday, if you're playing Saturday, and then you know, well, you can. well you can, but you know, if you want to play well, you can't. And uh, you know, by, by the time the game's over and you've had a few beers in the clubhouse afterwards, you know, it's eight o'clock on Saturday, by which point, you know, your weekend's actually over and you've got no time to really hang out with, with your mates. So I just kind of just did the training and did, only played a handful of games. Um, but currently, yeah, currently, un- currently unattached. Unattached. Looking to get some touch in there. The, cool. Uh, you, Joey, you're at London Welsh, aren't you, mate? Yeah, I'm playing um, London Welsh at the moment. Again, like you said, there's so many bloody clubs around that that area. It's like the Golden Triangle, really. You've got Richmond, Ireland, Scottish, Irish, Roslyn Park, Ealing, heaps. Yeah. Um, I, I chose to get to Welsh. We've got a couple of mates that are there from home. Um, and they've got their well, I mean, obviously, as you know, they went into liquidation in 2016, got dropped from the Prem. Um, but this, the professional setup's still there in that sense. They've still got money coming in. They still get 1,000 people to each game. Um, they've got a five-year plan to get back into national leagues and they've been promoted three times in the last three years. So Their DOR is Kai Griffiths. He's, he's a good bloke, apparently, by all, yeah. by all uh, accounts. Yeah, Kai's a really good bloke. He, um, he still plays as well, so he's playing as coach. Plays, uh, he's an old Ospreys tight head. He's got like 115 caps or whatever it is. So he just absolutely ends people in those leagues. It's horrible. Absolutely yeah, horrible. yeah, and then our backs coach, a guy called Stephen Schiller, who um, plays for Ealing. Uh, he's played Scarlets and Irish. Then our uh, SNC coach, a guy called Will Taylor, who's Wasp. So the setup's there. Um, the history there as well. It's huge history. I was looking yeah. earlier, 43 players, the British and Irish Lions from that club. Bad. It's mental. Um, but yeah, that's no, good. Good club. Good setup. Cool, cool. Hugo. Yeah, I'm, I'm still playing. Playing for a club called Herbert Smith Kills, Hong Kong University, Sandy Bay. So you what? It's a, it's a fucking 
trek of a oh, name. So, oh. it's, so they're, basically, they're basically known as Sandy Bay. So they play in the top league of rugby out here. So they're essentially our, our Prem's team is a semi-professional team. So we get, it's very much like the Japan leagues. You get mercenaries and, and youngsters from around the world coming over. Yeah. So, and any, so training, I, I play twos at the moment because clearly I'm very much not good enough for the, for the ones. Um, <laughs> We've got blokes who will be paid full-time by the Hong Kong Union. So, our number eight is a 126-kilogram Namibian bloke who's 24 called Luke van der Schmidt, who is single-handedly the most terrifying person I've ever met in my life. Scarier than Angus? Yeah. <laughs> mate, How's that possible? Well, Hugo, tag me on one of his Instagrams and I'll call him out for a run it straight and I'll finish it. <laughs> Please, I'll, I'll, I'll get a... I'll, I'll send a video link for one of his tries. Um... It's it's it's, oh, it's, 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 just, it's, a, it's a good standard. Obviously, it's, it was quite a shock starting off there because my last game in England was rain and minus four, and then I played three weeks later in thirty degree heat, ninety percent humidity, and it was polluted. And I lasted five minutes and had to taken off. It was rank. Bit of a um, shock to the system, was it? Yeah, and it was. It wasn't pleasant. I was like, "What am I doing here? I might die. I might have a heart attack." But it's it's, it's good fun. I did a. My first full season this year, but we didn't really have much of a season because we had we meant to have 20 games and we only played six or seven or something because we kept getting called off because where we would be where we our matches were would be where the protests were. We had it we had it one weekend where we were playing and we were like right lads our game's finished we got five minutes to go before the riot police come in. We were playing in the middle of like one of the riot zones, so that was quite good fun. Um, but <laughs> our season our season got called off. My last game was on the 14th of December and our grand final was meant to be last weekend, so. I haven't played a game in almost three months, so it's been a bit of a, it's been a terrible season for us. We we came second, but we only played seven games. It's not really like something we can we can kind of celebrate. But yeah, cool. tell them has... um, tell them the good news, Hugo. What do they want good you news. to be? Oh, I might be social sec next year, <laughs> which will be which will be pretty terrifying. Um, Who are you uh, out of the ABRFC social sex that you've had in your time? Who will you be calling for advice? Uh. I don't know. Can't Tom think of Janelle. one. No, not, not Janelle, no. <laughs> I doubt he listens anyway. Um, probably Varel. I thought he had a pretty good net. Um, you know, he was quite nice to everyone. Wasn't it wasn't a bell end like some of them were. Didn't call people out necessarily. Um, you referring to there, Hugo? Who was it, Hugo? I, I, I ain't giving names. I ain't no snip. Starts with a what? Hey, he's already discriminated himself a few times on this part. Yeah, you need to lock it down. <laughs> you can tell. You can tell he's had a. You can tell he's had a couple of drinks. He's getting rather. Hey, I'm, not, I'm not going to be welcome back. <laughs> he's going to have the. Um, he's going to have the triad after him if he's not careful. No more. No more old boy invites for me. I mean, I can't go to live overseas. But, uh, I'm still fine. <laughs> Yeah, but fuck him. <laughs> cool. So you, you, you know, you take some inspiration from Varel. You got any ideas about what you might do? Uh, it's a bit limited on what we can do because we haven't. The clubs here don't have like a set clubhouse like they do in the UK. So we train at a university park and then we play matches. We get assigned like home grounds and away grounds. So only one of our, only one of the clubs out here has like a dedicated like clubhouse. Yeah. Um. So. It, We've got to be a bit careful when we're doing social and stuff because we're literally out with the public. So we'll be having a social in a bar and there'll be 30 of us and about 60 randomers with their phones out. So we've got to be a bit, a bit careful. Um, <laughs> Host it at your house, Dennis. I'm sure Mrs. Dennis would mind. Yeah, Mrs. Dennis would love that. Suzanne oh, Mrs. Dennis, what a lady. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Don't you dare start, Angus. <laughs> 
Uh, cool. All right. Brilliant. Let's uh, let's let's move on before Hugo gets himself in, in more trouble. Uh, so, <laughs> what was your? Uh, so, just thinking back to your time at, uh, at Brooks and, and and with the club in particular. I mean, what was your what was your favourite? What was your favourite moment? What's going to be the one thing that, or the one moment, or a couple of moments that live live, live long in the memory? Rasty days were good. Obviously, yeah, the winning ones were the best ones, but even the ones we lost were just still bloody good fun. But last why, year's last year probably be my favourite one. Why, why was last year so good? Oh, it was a big crowd. I, I wonder how many people would have been there. Probably, it'd be getting on for 2,000, I would have thought, probably were there. It was loads. It was filled the whole way around the pitch. Um, and obviously, we won, and then the celebrations afterwards were pretty, pretty good laugh. Yeah. yeah, that'd be mine, definitely. Definitely would be mine. The pitch invasion I'd is be, always the best part. I'd agree with that. Reading just came into it so cocky. And to get a W like that was fucking phenomenal. Yeah, they're um, yeah. I just I think that was one of the best defensive performances I've seen actually from yeah, a, from a Brooks team. Yeah. I think I got sat was, down big time though. I can see Rue smiling. I knew he was going to bring it up, so I thought I'd bring it up. Who would get up? So so happy and and, and you know, Charles Charles should make a tackle and be flat on his backside <laughs> as quickly as he was. Oh, I got absolutely leveled. He was yeah. massive, to be fair. So was we, it? Um, was it the big? Was it the big second row? No, it was their winger. The winger. Big, big, I've never laughed at that. Massive winger. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he was it nearly, nearly kicked the touch, but missed. <laughs> I think it was just Rue and I had chased it, and he, and he. Oh no, there was someone else in front of us. It must be the winger, whoever that was, Jarris. I think he scooted around Jarris, and I was like, oh my god, he's coming. He's getting nearer and nearer, and I just was like. Oh, do I go low? And he had such like high knee drive. No way, I'll just get sparkling. So I went high and just went flying. It was so good. And I just saw Rue like giggling at me. After. Was, yeah, that was very much. Yeah, yeah. As he's going towards us, I was like, yours, 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 yours. <laughs> the sound was like, Oof! and then was back, so his legs in the air. <laughs> Rue gave up his assistant tackler duties for that one, that one moment. No, I was in hysterics. <laughs> Cool, yeah, varsity. So varsity days. What, what, what about Ruth? You go. What about you guys? I'd say, say, say that second and third, and um, finally varsity, which we won. But I think it was both great. I think the last one was better because it was a sunny day, more people there. Um, I, I just it was good occasional round with the music, etc. Um, you know, the Reading were a decent team. Uh, you know, a few leagues above us, and the fact that we turned them over was um, a bit of a bit of an upset. So uh, yeah, yeah. Good, good buzz around, really. I mean, it was just uh, yeah, oh yeah, you scored, didn't you? Nice, yeah. Ed Berry set me up. Berry's little kick. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah it. I just remember, uh, I just remember the week leading up to that. It's like uh, I remember going and watching Reading against Ports- Portsmouth and like taking loads of notes. And like, I, I don't think we, I don't think I've ever ever prepped a team as as well as we prepped for for that game. Um, and just the lead up to it was class and. And to, to to watch you guys perform the way that you did um, made you sort of made you really proud, but also made you kick yourself off the off the back of the season that we just had as well. You know, it would have been like shit if we'd just played like that in every game. With a psychology behind it, you know, why why does it have to be a varsity to to, to raise a game like that? That why you can't yeah. just do that repeatedly, you know, week after week? Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's an interesting conversation, or it's an interesting point, but I just don't think. I don't think they, you know, like you guys crawled off that pitch. I don't, I don't think you could sustain that for a league campaign of, you know, ten games plus cup games and you know repeat repeat that performance week in week out. It's just impossible, I think. Uh, but yeah, it was class. It was class. 
I think it's doable when the when the performance rises a hundred percent to put that much effort in. You know, these guys like Loughborough, all these books one leagues, they they do that game after game. But then that is that's their peak performance, aren't they? Really? Yeah, you know, you have to think about all the stuff that they've got from a resource point of view to help them get to to to, to that. You know, they probably got physio that they can access the whole week. They've probably got recovery protocols. They've probably got, you know, you know, masseuses and all that, you know, all the stuff that goes with being able to repeat performances like that, go back to back with performances, like with performances. So there's probably a lot of stuff that they've got from a resource point of view, which makes it a lot easier, uh, which, which at the moment we don't have, but we're working on it. We're working on it. Right direction. Yeah, exactly. So Hugo, what about you, mate? What was your, what's your favourite OBRFC memory? It can be social related if you want it to be. As I, well. I was, was going to say mine. Mine wouldn't ever necessarily be Varsity. I didn't have the best three of those. Um, I think <laughs> mine would. Mine would definitely be the the more kind of social scene. So it'd be the big social events where you have your AGM, your Christmas dinner, your end of season you know, dinner thing. Um, those would always be my kind of better memories, um, or more kind of like just just having fun with the, with the lads. You know, having a few, a few beers. The Christmas curries, especially the last one. Well. <laughs> Where I think we got Google, kicked out. Didn't, Google didn't order enough curry and then it didn't tell anyone, but still asked the same amount of money. So took everyone's money. There wasn't enough curry. Obviously, we were all starving. We've got 60 blokes in this tiny little curry house just kicking off. The police get threatened to call. You know, we're walking back into town. Everyone's not happy. And it's just one of those things where I don't think I'll ever forget. Um, sure, that, yeah. can't be, that can't be the highlight of your, uh, your Brooks Rugby <laughs> getting no, Getting not. kicked out of Akbar's is not going to be like the, the oh, highlight of your Brooks Rugby. It probably was. <laughs> Dinesh probably pocketed some of the curry money. We don't know about it. <laughs> Dinesh is probably walking away with 200 quid thinking, ah, here we go. <laughs> I had to have a belt yeah. all his trousers up his pockets. Maybe, so maybe another highlight is going, is going from threes to ones in three weeks and getting fresher of the year. That was pretty fun. Yeah. What about when you nominated yourself in S for Clubman of the Year? That did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> Rue, you weren't here for that, but Dinesh sent Sam Hugh Kendall, who was president, a message being like, mate, I think it's really unfair. I haven't been part of a Clubman of the Year. When he was just a crook with all the club's money. Even fresh of the year, I've heard it's an inside job. Uh, you're, you're, full, you're full of lies. Uh, if, it, if it would be an inside job, it would have gone to someone else. Someone's so like, questionable. Someone would have got it, just like committee. Right. <laughs> cool. All right, cool. So, uh, what, what about, you know, obviously Freeman, Angus, and Rue, you've spoken about stuff off the pitch. What's your favourite memory off it? I would just say, um, what's that festival thing that happened last year? Uh, this is Oxford. Yeah, that was pretty good buzz. Yeah. Sunny there again. Um, you know, at that, that time when we finished our exams, and we had nothing to worry about, and it was just sunny day after day, and we were playing golf and drinking, basically. It was pretty, pretty, pretty good time. Yeah, that's pretty good fun. So basically, when uni ended, it's pretty decent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think mine was um, my off the pitch one was the bus trip back from Harper Adams. Even though we lost, there was a few boys who had their first bus trip. I think it was managed to rope Wizzy in and get him involved. And it was Geiger and Dan Kingsley, and they just got terrorised the whole way back. And then Josh <laughs> Harris, who was social second Gangsters Paradise. That was a classic <laughs> as well. And then. Josh Harris at Tesco has dropped it all on all the boys who have already done their bus trip. Being like, if they've got to drink loads, you all can all do a bottle of port each. So we were pretty merry by the time we got back to Oxford. Yeah. That was bloody funny, that bus trip. Everyone was on yeah, good spirits, though. I don't think I've yeah. got one. I think literally every night out with any of the rugby boys is pretty good crack, isn't it, really? Whether that's just like, like a, a like, Monday night at Bridge or the darts or something like that. I don't really think I've had a bad night out with everyone. 
So that's probably my memory. Of yeah. I, so I miss the bus trips. So those are always good fun. Was it? Was it? Was it? Dap, was that the bus trip with Daps at the back, conducting <laughs> the choir basically? To yeah. He. Um, what did he Stormzy. sing? It was um, Stormzy. Stormzy. That's funny, funny. Oh, yeah. don't, don't talk to me about that boy. He still owes me 50 quid. <laughs> you ain't getting that. He's, he's got money from Kit as well, hasn't he? Kit Buckingham. Oh, he owes Kit oh, Buckingham mate. The wrong, he is Kit, Kit Buckingham is the wrong person to owe money to. Right. <laughs> oh, he's a pussy cat, really. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm oh, saying that here, not to him. <laughs> what, 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 do you guys, uh, what do you guys miss the most about, about being at uni and, you know, not being involved in the club, what are you, you know, what are you, what are the things you miss, you miss the most? You can say hanging around with me and seeing me every week, that's, that's you can say that. <laughs> that's a given. Uh, probably, probably the freedom that we had at university, you know, we could, we could do what we want when we want, we weren't nailed down to a strict timeline or a, um, a routine, uh, so that's quite, that's, I miss that quite a bit to be fair, um, and just being able to have crack with everyone consistently, it's pretty good fun. Yeah, cool. Anyone else? Uh, mine's a bit nausy, but I miss game days. So oh, waking up, <laughs> waking up though in our house where there was four lads who were playing for the all for the same team. We'd wake up and just be like screaming game day through the house, <laughs> and then we <laughs> don't, don't drag oh, me to your level. But obviously we go and play, and then we get changed um, as quickly as possible in the clubhouse, have a few beers, come back, eat a meal deal, and just go straight to social about an hour early and. Just loving life. That'd be mine. I think that'd be what I'd miss most. I miss, I miss, I miss mine. Rue's drunken adventures. <laughs> that sounds go so on. Go yeah. on. So it happens. Yeah. Like, we'd like we'd go out as the four. Obviously, Angus would go home with Grace because he's whipped as fuck. Freeman would would no, Freeman would leave. Freeman's at home on the phone to Molly. Freeman would leave <laughs> after the social to go and FaceTime Molly in Australia, and then it would be me and Rue just kind of left our own devices. I like never remember a night out with Rue where we didn't just get absolutely obliterated and end up in Perios, just smashing some quesadillas, going home and playing Fortnite. The quesadillas are absolutely unbelievable. Man, we, had, we had one night. For you billions of listeners out there, you all know it. The quesadillas, just an absolute joke. Quesadillas and Perios, big up. Perios, OBRS, Perios, OBRS, you are looking for a catering sponsor next year. You just had your shout out, so. Yeah, I reckon the guy in there would do it. He's a good lad. Yeah, yeah. yeah enough, enough of them go after him, surely. Yeah, Although Roddy Giles yeah. has convinced he saw a maggot in there once, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Rue? What's your, uh, you know, what do you miss about being at uni? Nothing. I like having money. Rue <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. had money uh, at uni. I don't know. I did. I did. Um, yeah, not. I didn't miss a huge amount, to be honest. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I missed the rugby and the, the camaraderie. Um, I missed it. just being able to go out with your mates and have a few beers whenever you want. Um, it's good fun. Just having, having free, to, you know, lots of, lots of time to do things. Yeah, we, we we played so much golf in the final final term, uh, which you know we should never have the time to do now, um, which is epic. But yeah, no, I, I do quite like have a bit more structure in my life and um, and working. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys do you guys miss living living together? Our house is yeah. an absolute shithole. Yeah, yeah, I like the mess though. I accepted when I joined university. My standard of living was going to go downhill, and I loved it. It was <laughs> mostly your mess, mess Yeah, that's why I left it there. I enjoyed it. It was good for my immune system. 
<laughs> you're you, like you are immune to COVID nineteen. If you go out start side, it's the shithole that you lived in before. I could go into town to and anything. lick door handles and I'd be fine. I wouldn't get anything. The landlord, we did our bathroom when we were there, but he, he did it like, whilst we were living there, not on holiday or anything. And this guy called Richard that used to work for him. And he, he, he came in to do the bathroom, and there'd be times where you hung over for, for, for social whatever the night before. You get up at you know, like 11 o'clock, and as soon as you open your door, there's Richard being like, Oh, you are, oh, mate? I... You are, mate? How are you doing? <laughs> you are, mate? <laughs> oh, keep your beers was it last night? Keep your beers was it? Uh, yes, Richard, can I go downstairs and shower? Because I oh, know you can't actually shower right now, mate, because I'm just, uh, I'm just doing the, the lining of the shower. All right, cheers. <laughs> All right. Then he, he dragged you out and gnaws you about his moped for about half an hour. God. Oh, God. <laughs> Fuck off, Richard. Take your advantage of student letters, I think. Yeah. Student tenants, sorry. Uh, good times. I'd love to have been on the wall, fly on the wall a few times in your house. No, you would not have wanted to be. <laughs> no. Good join. There were plenty of flies on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what, uh, so thinking, thinking back at your time at, at, the, at the club, what have you got any regrets? Is there anything you, you, you think, shit, I wish we'd done that, or you know, uh, I'm gutted that we didn't quite do that, or you know, for, for you guys that played last season, it might be something to do with last season and not staying up, but I don't know, is there anything that you look back on and think, shit, if only I'd just done something a little bit differently, that might have made, been, that made, might have made a difference. I think with, with me, it would be in my was it my second year kind of not really giving a shit and giving up and just being happy playing twos just kind of fully accepting that I was an absolute team binges in the one kind of being stuck on the bench then just kind of giving up and dicking around in the twos for a year yeah. um, it was whilst they were in the same league it was just kind of like we're just going out and getting absolutely humped every week um, and I I didn't especially the twos back then it was mostly freshers and first uh, freshers and second years they, I didn't really know them but you had like Angus, Freeman, Cracknell, uh, most of my mates were playing ones, whereas me and Jamie Long in the twos was like not really trying and just kind of accepting the fact that we were going to go and get pumped every week and rock up to a social and not be part of the ones. I remember one social when the, the, the ones won the league or won the cup or something and they walked in going nuts and Jamie Long said, why are those fuckers so happy? What are they going to be happy about? Like, off them. It's just like, mate, <laughs> chill out. I think I kind of missing out on those kind of celebrations was maybe one of my bigger regrets. Just kind of accepting the fact that I didn't really try. What would you do differently? Try. <laughs> what does that look? Do what does try? What does try and look like? Not go out, you know, three times a week. Go to the gym more. Go to the conditioning sessions. Maybe even go to training once a while. Yeah, that, yeah I, 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 I'm with I'm with um, Vanessa. In the second year, I was living with Zinni, Angus, and Jamie, and they would all go, you know, go play every Wednesday. And I, and I, I was non-squad, didn't do anything, and I, I wasn't really motivated to play for a team or anything. There was any because some people got injured in the second team, I think. That I was like, oh, I'll, I'll play last minute, and then sort of work my way up, and started to like it a bit more, and then realised that actually, once once you start becoming a bit of a part of it, it's it becomes a, part, a little bit more attractive. But I just didn't really try for a year and a half. Um, I mean, first year, I don't think I was probably good enough. I lost a lot of weight. It was like an absolute stick. I'm, I'm much more of a stick now. Um, but in second year, definitely, I just didn't try. It's pretty bad. It's, it's interesting, like that not, you know, that not trying thing. I think, you know, I also I do think there is an element of, you know, from you guys that were, you know, privately school educated, where rugby's been sort of drummed into you for five, six, six years, 
where you've got no choice but to play it when you get to university actually you've got an opportunity to do some other some other stuff uh yeah. and you've got an opportunity to experience something different so i can understand sometimes why lads take that take that opportunity uh because you know actually i do just want to go out and get pissed every night or, you know, I do. I, I wasn't even doing that though. I, th I think I, I just um, because I knew that I was going to get into a team that I, I thought that I potentially could could be in. Instead of just knuckling down and trying to get get into that team, I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be playing, you know, for the fourth team on a Saturday, and then like playing some thirteen games because I, I, th I kind of like didn't. I kind of thought I was better than that, and I didn't think like you know if I just go play those games, you know, I'll, you know, some, some, someone will you know see that. Um, you know, then you could get you could move up the teams, but I think that sort of stemmed from the first year where I could go play, I could play really well, for, you know, for the, for the third team, and there'd just be no one there, your your eyes and yours, as far as it's going, um, and there's no one to actually say like, yeah, actually, you know, Joe or whoever's in charge at the time, you know, this guy needs to be looked at in a high team, etc. Yeah, I, you know, looking at look at yeah, we're obviously in a better position now, but looking at it, we've still got a lot of work we can, we need to do in that area uh, with, with regards to making sure that all the teams have got someone with them that can go in. You know, set the warm up up. You know, run the warm up. Run, you know, run the messages at halftime. But also keep an eye on the lads that are that are performing well. We've got, we've still got a bit of way to go, but we are we're a long way away from where from where you guys were when yeah, you, it, you started. It, it just it just provides a bit of focus and allows allows people to get get behind get behind you know the the, the, um, the team goal rather than just everyone being there for themselves. You know, just turning up for a bit of a, bit of a jolly. You know, if, you, if there's someone there to be like, right, lads, let's get, let's get involved in this together. Suddenly, you know, there's a team spirit and team harmony. I think it gets, gets improved dramatically. Yeah, cool. What about you, Gus? Your, what are your uh, regrets? Uh, getting relegated in my last season, definitely. Um, and I think it, it came down to, in the games we lost, the Harper away, uh, Warwick away, and Trent away, it was all game management stuff. And I think, it's nobody's fault, but I think we had quite a young team of lads who maybe had just come out of school and got spoon-fed how to manage a game. And it's a bit different. University rugby is completely different to schoolboy rugby. Yeah. And it's pretty much men's rugby then, and you need to think for yourself a bit. And we were just unlucky in that we had a younger team who maybe weren't used to it. So it's just one of those things. Yeah, you know, I, look, I look back at that season, I think actually getting relegated is probably, for the, the development of the team this year, it's probably the best thing that could have happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you know the 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 lads that, that are now in their second years that are just finishing their second years. God, they wanted to, you know, they were pretty focused on what the goals were for this year, and uh, they knew, you know, they knew how they needed to achieve them, and they knew what 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 was required in order to achieve those goals. And you know, it's just the way it goes. You know, uni rugby is is very is like a cycle, isn't it? You know, you come to a stage over a couple of years where three or four, five really key players graduate mm, yeah. and you got you got and you got to replace them and that's when you got to look at okay do we replace them with freshers or have we developed the players in the second team well enough uh in order to step up but if i'm being probably honest we probably didn't uh you know the year the year we went up uh we probably didn't develop the lads in the second team enough because we were focused on uh getting that that promotion that double so that when it came to new season in the league above we did have to blood a load of freshers, probably half a season, a couple of months earlier than we than we would have naturally if we'd spent a bit of time developing the players that had been playing twos. So yeah. you know that's that's a lesson learned from 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 my perspective in the fact that you know can't be so first team centric all the time. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. For those younger lads who did play first team when we got relegated, it's quite a good learning curve to play yeah. ranked mm. teams like Harper away and Warwick away on that miserable day. It's not a bad um, place to sort of learn what it's about. So yeah, no, hundred percent. What about you, Joe? What are your what are your regrets if you've got any? Yeah, probably same as Angus. To be honest, that that last season was pretty uh, pretty gutting. Um, to have left on on not not a bad note, but to to have left on a note like that isn't wasn't the best end to um, to my Brooks career as such. Um, I can't really think much more to be honest. The stuff that you guys, you know, you I, what I would what I would it's difficult to not to dwell on that stuff, but the stuff that you guys did over your four or five years. Uh, that transcended the that transcended the pitch. You know, I think you guys, you know, the stuff that you how you developed the club and some of the stuff that you did around the off field stuff is sometimes more important than what happens on the pitch. Um, because without you guys, like I'll be really honest, without some of the direction and leadership that you guys showed have shown or did show over your time there, the club definitely wouldn't be in the position that it is in now. So you know. You just have to you have to remember that stuff sometimes when you know your last season doesn't go as well as you wanted it to. Um, no, definitely. Yeah. And I'll, I just think I think over our time we've had far more positives than we had negatives, and that's a good perspective to look at it from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, just moving on. So obviously we've looked at looked at some stuff around your your best memories and your uh, and some stuff you would have done a little bit differently. So just thinking about now that you've uh, now you guys are old boys uh, and you've. You've got your old boys' ties. Have you been giving your old boys' ties yet, or or not? not no, yet. I haven't. I think we had something booked in um, a big event. I mean, we had the old boys' game, which I presume we would have got them then. And obviously, because everything yeah. was going on, it's um, been cancelled. So yeah, not cool. yet. So just just thinking about you guys and the position that you are in uh, are in now. How important do you think for for the club is is having an old boys' network, or or how important is it for you guys? I suspect. Is another is another way to phrase it. So, one, how is it? How important is it for the club, and what could we do to to sort of help communication between the old boys network and the club? And how important is it to 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 you guys? I think me and you have spoken about this before, Joe, in terms of like the, the financial side of it. Well, I know it's like an, it's a very big difference, but you look at those NFL college teams in America who have massive old boys networks, and they're getting loads and loads of money in. I know that rugby will never be the same at a, uni- at a university level in the UK, but in you know five, ten years' time, where people who are now leaving, who where the clubs are more kind of a, a whole unit, will be in a better, better position to kind of donate. I know, yeah. like at the moment, we we're all in a position to donate, you know, five pounds. But in a couple of years' time, if if people are willing to donate more, that can go a, lo- a long way to helping the growth of the club. And also in terms of sponsorship, I know when we were there trying to sort out sponsors, we had a, a hard time trying to find someone who'd be willing. But if people are, you know, high up in, in certain companies, then there'd be a lot more kind of potential for sponsorship and, and that kind of thing. So I think that the All Boys Network and helping that side of it and the, on the financial side would be would be a huge plus in, in five years. And, you know, it's a credit to Wickham who did kind of set it up and, and build this kind of, this thing, this thing from nothing. And, and it, is, it is growing every year, um, slowly. And there's that, there's, there is that kind of old thing where Wickham <laughs> still, still retains control and fair play to him, he set it up, but... Then going forward, it, it needs to grow more. It needs to have like people like yeah, you think, who have left yeah, and, and Darius. I think it's potentially a little bit harsh, just because obviously you know, when Robbie was was banned, etc. You know that that whole sort of era was sort of they probably have their old boys thing going on, but they're not connected with with you know, <laughs> the, the Robbie that we know. And therefore, you know, with what Wickham's doing, it's 
if someone's got to step up and do that, and it, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's no need, it's job. no need because I think they were the first year for Robbie to be reintroduced. Yeah. Mm. So, so you know, it's only we're what the third year, the we're the fourth year um, in terms of the year we graduated out out of out of said network, and so I think you should give it time and give it, give it a few more years. You know, if he, if he keeps give, if he keeps on top of it, you know, and or eventually passes it down to somebody else. You know, five years time when you've got you know nearly ten years worth of old boys and suddenly it starts becoming a bit of a different story but when there's only three or four you know it's still gonna be pretty low key yet. Mm. yeah i yeah. agree with rue there it'll take a few years for it to, so like rue says there's lads who are five years out of university they need a bit more time until they can really sort of suggest sponsorships and stuff in their companies and that kind of thing but i think for the lads who work in london it's a bit different for me obviously in salisbury but the guys who work in london i know they're fairly sociable still the old boys and meet up fairly often for beers like on a Thursday night and that kind of thing so it seems quite good in that sense yeah, yeah. we're still yeah Wickham has a we've got a big group chat in London and we uh we do same similar to what we do for here in Oxford really do Christmas um Easter then the odd one every month um it's a really good get up really but in terms of the importance of old boys network it is probably one of the most important aspects of the club because at the end of the day that's the only support outside of the university that we we really have we're not a local club where you know you take your kids down to watch on the weekend we um our, our support base is from those old boys yeah and I, you know like you look at some of the stuff that like you know Exeter, you know, when Exeter get to the Bucks finals or whatever, and then all the old boys come out, you know, like Oxford Uni when they get to when they go to varsity. Like, I know it's on a different scale, but you know, there's a reason that people still go, you know, that old boys still go and watch their university teams teams play uh, because they have a they have that deep rooted connection with them. And we need to think of some ways, uh, you know, as a as a club in the current committee, we need to think of some ways that. We can link the two up a little bit better. Um, and maybe yeah, the, the old the old boys' day and stuff, and the AGM that happens. Th- those things do help. And I was quite looking for because I was potentially going to fly back for the old boys' day. Right. Nothing else to do. I had enough for a flight, and flights are cheap. But then obviously it all kicked off, so I couldn't couldn't quite make it. But yeah, like, things like that were all like keeping the especially keeping the old boys connected to the current club as well. I think that that helps keep that kind of the connection. And going for that, that's quite important. What about from a uh, like from a professional point of view? So obviously you guys are all now now, now professionals and you know working and what have you. Is have any of those is that old boys network been useful from from a from a networking point of view for for you and your your day your jobs? I did actually when I was on placement. Um, do, you remember, do you remember Ryan Hopkins? Yeah, yeah. So he graduated the same year as I started my placement and he was working, he just started at Deloitte and he did the same course to me. And so I, I met up with him in London and we just went through like module choices and things. And he was like, basically, like, don't do this. It's, it's a ball ache, do, do, do these modules. You know, these ones, that you, you know, if you can just smash the X, Y, and Z, you'll, you'll nail it, etc. Um, so from in that sense, he was, it was pretty useful, um, you know, meeting up with him and getting his perspective on, you know, you know how, how to maximize my, my U degree and, and the potentials of jobs and things that, post-university life. Cool. Anybody else yeah. had any experiences of, of, of that? Um, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm in the same line of work as uh, Sam Hume Candle and Joshua Rourke and we're kind of helping each other out quite a bit in terms of um, business and business generation, things like that. So that that's fairly good. And I've, I've been, um, a couple of people reached out to me as well. Like Harry Viger reached out to me um, 
asking me for advice in terms of the, the industry. So that, so that was quite good as well. And then, um, you know, anyone's open to uh, get in contact. Cool. Uh, you know, and I think that's important. You know, there might be lads that there, there's going to be lads that are now graduating or coming up to graduation uh, this year or next year that actually a friendly face to talk to about some stuff that they're either experiencing or may experience when they go into the working world might be, you know, might help them, but, you know, might be, might be beneficial uh, for them moving forward. Cool. Um, where do you guys, thinking about the club and obviously the, the journey that it, that it went on with you guys involved, uh, where do you see it in 10 years' time? What do you think the, traje- the trajectory of the club, the club could be? It's a bit, you know, it's a blue sky thinking type stuff, but, you know, what... Well, I what, think they need to secure themselves in, in, the, in, in the league above and then be looking to get promoted and go for a, a run in the league above that a couple of seasons, drop back down, run in the league above there and cement themselves, you know, at that sort of, um, you know, one league higher, so floating between the two leagues above rather than the one they're in and the one above, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what do you think, what do you think's needed to do that? Well, that's a million-dollar question, isn't it, Jay? Isn't what you get paid yeah. for? That is what I've got. I've got an idea, but it's interesting to hear it from 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 your from your guys. You know, I've got a vision for what the you know for the next three or four years. But you know, it's interesting. You know, always good to hear. Yeah, no, of course. Um, I, I I think maybe, maybe some of the off-the-pitch stuff, uh, and, but um, you know, just getting that commitment to, to the gym sessions and, and and doing the sort of aerobic fitness as well. Because uh, well, I think you know this. In my time there, you know, we had the skills and and, and the players to, to to do well, but I think potentially sometimes people weren't as committed as they should be to the hard work you do to put in behind behind the scenes and in between games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I agree. With, I, agree I agree with Rio. Look back to to our first year. Like training session turnout was terrible. The conditioning stuff was awful because it, it would be on a Friday morning at like six thirty in the morning, and then we'd get. I, I went to one or two, and it would be me, Kieran Borrell. Hugo Solway, Ant Colony, and James Dufty. It's just like you'd have those three who, who live together doing the same thing. And it'd be me and Borrell sticking around with weights. And like there wasn't much guidance from the SNC guys. Whereas now you've got, you've got Max, who's kind of dedicated to the team. As I listened to one of the earlier podcasts, you now got you know dedicated slots and plenty of blokes turning up to it. I think the, the mindset behind the players that you need to be more committed is, is a good step forward. And it's definitely been a change where we left, where you know, no train, no play, that kind of thing. Yeah. And all those steps that are being taken now definitely will, will help the club move in the right direction. Cool. Anybody else? What, what do you think? I think they could definitely be in Prem. Ten years is a long time to make um, some important changes or improvements, not changes, improvements. Um, so, yeah, I think I could see them being in Prem, definitely. I agree. I think the key to it is consistency. Not letting standards slip. You know, just keep keep raising the bar and keep going for it. And at the end of the day, we can... Angus, uh, Reese, Hugo and I can say all we want, but we're not in the driving seat. It's going to be the boys that are there running the club. Yeah. And what would, you know, what would that, what would that, you know, if we you looked at it in 10 years' time and, uh, you know, maybe who knows what could happen in 10 years' time. Let's say they were a Super League club. How would you guys feel having been part of that that journey? You know, what would that, how, how would you, if you're watching the, the games streamed live on the RFU, Facebook page or whatever. How would you guys feel knowing that you've contributed to that? Yes, oh, I'd be jealous. I think. I think I'd go do a masters. Look, get stuck in. <laughs> the traffic cone. The, tra- the head guard would come off. The head guard would come off, and the traffic cone would come out, and he'd get him training. <laughs> yeah, I've sacked AJ, off the head AJ, guard now. AJ skips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, cool, in all seriousness, you'd be pretty proud when you um, 
if you sort of been there from the days of Wheatley to then see it um, in something completely different in um, Super Bucks, um, no, you would be proud, definitely. Who knows? Yeah, I, Who knows? I, I agree with Angus. Yeah, it would be, it would be cool. Who knows what could happen? Uh, cool. Right. So uh, moving on. Right. Moving on to the, the, the sort of the end of the end of the, the pod, lads. Uh, it's been awesome so far. I've enjoyed catching up with you guys, but probably some more fun rather than not carbonated stuff. So live moment legacy. You caught you've all. So we'll start with live first. If you could live as a current or past player, who would that player be and why? Oh, Richie McCaw. It'd have to be Richie McCaw. Okay, why? <laughs> he, he's a living legend, isn't he? Um, He's done it. everything. He's done everything. Lives in New Zealand. Now he flies helicopters and takes people on helicopter tours. Um, yeah, it'd have to be Richie McCall for me. Cool, cool. Hugo? Oh, man, I need to think. I forgot who I was going to pick. <laughs> Go on then, Joe. You Roddy Dines. <laughs> My brother. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's in the next door room with two fucked shoulders. I don't want to be him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on, current current player now. I'd I'd have to be Bill Williams just because of all the travelling he's done around the world and everything like that and cross code and everything. Or Finn Russell because he drives a Lambo in the south of France. Yeah. You picked two pretty skillful players there as well. You know, not don't bear much reflection to you as a player. Well, I've got I've been known to have pretty similar body to Sonny Bill, so that's similar kind of similar body. Yeah, similar bod. Yeah, offloading game as well is pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not an offload. It's a pass, mate. You should remember no, it's that. A pass out, it's a pass out of contact, mate. Come on. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Rue, what about you? Spaces, not faces. Uh, <laughs> um, no, Mario, Mario's got a pretty sore throat, hasn't he? He's the golden boy. He's pretty, pretty good to be able to just uh, uh, command so much respect at a young age. He's only a year older than us. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty good at that. All his image right stuff. He's worth, worth a bloody fortune, isn't he? Yeah, well, Swordsman yeah. as well, I reckon. Their salaries came out. Yeah. I think it was like seven hundred plus k a year from salaries. And those those salaries are such lies. Like yeah. I don't believe a word they say. Yeah, I think he's. Oh, they're more. not. It's so it's so hidden. They're not gonna not gonna give it out. Especially not Saracens, just because they never get even even more trouble. He's getting more than seven hundred fifty k a year. Yeah, yeah, I reckon a lot more. Probably the rate no, his England contract will be worth so much. Well, the England contract's 25k a game, isn't it? 25, yeah, 23,000 pound a game. Joe, who would your player be? If you could Me? Be Jason yeah. Leonard, mate, the fun bus. Would it? <laughs> yeah. You're better, like, stories to tell, like, story for every occasion. Like, mu- like, lads love you, grandmas love you, everybody loves you. No one, I don't know anybody that doesn't like Jason Leonard. What a legend. Yeah. Mm. Strong, good choice. Uh, I like that. Uh, moment. Okay, so if you could live one moment as a current or past player, who would it be, and what moment would that be? Oh, Finn Russell at Twickenham, turning it around uh, for the Scots to get a draw. You're such yeah, a wannabe Scotsman. It's a joke. Yeah, yeah, that'd be mine. Plastic uh, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Wear a kill at big occasions. I'm not rising to that. Well, I think I think I quite like the idea of uh, that that try that unbelievable try on the lines where all those players do all the hard work and O'Brien just runs the pitch and catches it at the end and scores it. I quite like I think that might, might be my moment. Well, you quite like to be sure O'Brien just falling over the line. Everyone has to hard work and just catch it and fall over the line. All you got to do is run a support line from coast to coast. I mean, that's not hard, is it? Yeah. 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 Jerry, what about you, mate? Um, 
probably a classic. Maybe Will Kerr in that 2003 final. Oh, such a cliche. That's so you. Live a little, think outside the box. What? I said live a little, think outside the box. Right. Um, maybe like Peanut when he lifted the 1995 World Cup. Yeah, next to, next to Nelson Mandela, that would be pretty cool. That would yeah. be awesome. The nation, the country, everything like that. It was a fucking big moment. That was pretty cool. Yeah, mm. yeah. Hugo, what about you? Go on, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Yeah. I would love to, love to have been a player in the change room in the 2003 World Cup. Not because of winning it, but because of the shit that Ben K would have got for dropping the ball over the line. I think the amount of rubbish that he would have got for that would have just been priceless. And obviously, you, you win the World Cup. Though, get, isn't yeah, but you only get ripped into this, this, you know, this bloke for dropping the ball over the line in the World Cup final. Like. Do, you reckon, do you reckon the lads would have ripped into him if they hadn't won? Oh, yeah. He would have retired immediately like the French bloke. He would have yeah. never seen again. BT spot gone, future career gone, just gone in hiding or something. A bit like um, this prop who used to play for Oxford Brooks who snapped his tooth in half on tape pre-game. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, you, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, like, you've, you've had it repaired and everything, have you, Hugo? Yes, I've got uh, not a new tooth, but it's, it's more sturdy now. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I, got, I got kicked in the face on tour and lost and chipped three teeth next to the, the new one, and that one stayed strong, so it's a good job. Oh, good, good. You look like a hillbilly for like the whole, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. three, four months. It was brilliant. It was horrendous. I very loved good. it. I miss it. Very, very good. Uh, cool. And then lastly, legacy. If you could have the legacy of a uh, current or past player, who would it be? But it's difficult with current players because they're still playing. But So the legacy of someone that has, that has stopped playing the game. So with uh, what Angus said for Liv, I'll go for the court, definitely. For a country that breathes rugby, to be someone like him walking around would be pretty fucking big. Yeah, I don't know if he'd, be, if he'd managed to get many places without being fucking annoyed with everybody stopping him. That's why he flies a helicopter, I suppose. Just choppers, it, choppers in and choppers out. I think mine would be Joe Nalomi. I was going to say yeah. that as well. Obviously, it's Joe Nalomi. You'd never have to buy a pint in your life ever again, would you? Yeah, that's right. so good. Yeah, Joe Nalomi. Like, 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 it was all amateur when he fought with that 95 World Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, just it, professionalism had just started in 95. So it was yeah. like the first sort of professional tournament tournament that, that there was. So, but whether or not the players would be, obviously the players weren't being paid what they're being paid now. But yeah, it would have, what, what a moment, you know. That, 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 that World Cup was pretty iconic for, for several reasons, obviously for, for PNR and uh, Nelson Mandela for the, being the first professional World Cup and obviously for Jonah Loma announcing himself on the international stage by running over half of the England team. Um, well, I think even, even people who, who didn't know what rugby was and you know, people, people knew who, people, Americans knew who Jonah Loma was. Like, he was a pretty famous guy um, and sort of helped put rubber on the map so it'd be pretty cool to have that, that level of respect attached to, to your playing days. Yeah, that'd be cool. What about you, Hugo? Johnny Wilkinson dropping that kick and then you know, do it like he did raise England into the kind of you know raise their level and I know after that World Cup was a bit rubbish but everyone refers to him as you know the best player of England. I don't think he played for two years after. Uh, he didn't play for two years, I think. Permanently yeah. injured, wasn't he, for like two years? Because mm. we were like, like I remember because I was how old was I? I was twenty at the time, and um, we. Uh, Everyone's like, yeah, it's going to be like England are going to dominate right now that we've done this for yeah. years and years to come. And then Johnny just kept getting injured and kept getting injured. 
it's like, oh shit, maybe Knox. He's also pretty old we're team, we're team, wasn't it? We're now picking Andy Gould at 10, so maybe we won't dominate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Right, move it right. Last uh, last little bit, uh, last two questions. So you've obviously done some preparation for this one. Uh, you've got a, a tw- match day 23 to pick. Oh, my God, Angus has done his homework. Look at that. Match I, day of course, 23. Of course Angus has. I bet Rue's got stats as well. Stats. Match day 20, 23 to pick to start the first Lions test in Johannesburg on the 24th of July. Who's, who's in your team and why? Why? All right. Well, don't worry about why. I just want to know who's in your team. Who's in your team? Who's going first? Go on, Gus. Go on. You've done the most prep. Oh, yep. <laughs> All right. I've got uh, uh, Mako, uh, Stuart McAnally, uh, Tag Furlong. That's the right way around, isn't it? Mako and Furlong. I don't know. They've, yeah, mate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well done. Uh, Itoje and Ryan, second row. Uh, back row of uh, Hamish Watson, Sam Underhill, and Billy Vinopola. It's Evans. Uh, I've got, I've got I, mine's, mine's the same. I've got George instead of McNally, McNally on the bench, and then Underhill instead of Watson. Watson on the bench. Give it um, and who's the who's the nine for Ulster? I couldn't remember his name. I put him oh, in. Cooley. 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 Yeah, he's nine. Farrell at ten. Centers of Tuolangi and Jonathan Davies. Yeah. Back three: Stockdale, Watson, Williams. No May. Uh, nah. Oh no, no Johnny May. That would what be the bench. Uh, bench, Jamie George, Sinclair, Healy, Laws, Tom Curry, Ali Price, Finn Russell, and Jordan Lama. But I'd probably have Johnny May in there actually instead of Jordan Lama. Thinking about it. Chicken cool. man. So you, you go, you go with two, you go with two sevens in your back, in your uh, at six and seven. Yeah, you've got it. You've got it. Why, 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 changing. why would you need to do that? In the, in well, the cold of Ellis Park, you're going to need some uh, some firepower around the park. Yeah, that's well, what you've I was got thinking. Big, big Billy Vinopola counts for um, two blokes, and you've got a Toje as well, who's an absolute workhorse. So I think. Oh yeah, you could just let Underhill that. and Watson roam. Just let them roam around and be a pest. Just winning, winning ball back off big South Africans, probably the best team in the world at keeping the ball. Yeah, exactly. Just get your yeah. Swede over it, and you'll win a few pens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who wants to go next? I'll, I'll go next. I've got Mako, George, and Furlong. Yeah. Uh, Marrow, and then uh, Ryan. Tom Curry, Billy V, and Jamie Ritchie. Uh, Thomas Williams at nine. Finn Russell at ten. Farrell and Tuolangi in the centres. Anthony Watson and Josh Adams on the wing. And then Stuart Hogg at fullback. Oh, I forgot Hoggy. And then my bench is Ken Owens, Joe Marler, Sinclair, Alan Wynne Jones, Tipperick, Stander. Slade and North. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, North. Well, you yeah, want that you George want that six-two split on the bench because South Africans have the same thing, and Slade oh, will God. cover the whole. Slade, Slade will cover the whole centres, and if North comes, if say if Hoggy gets injured, you put Watson at fullback and North in the wing. But then you've also got Slade; he can potentially cover fifteen as well if needs be. Um, you think North? Uh, North, North's my twenty-third man. He's my he's what? my winger. What happens well, if your scrum half gets injured? Who are starting wingers? Well, I just risk it, you know. Who are starting wingers? <laughs> I reckon, I reckon Hogg can go nine if needs be, but I'm counting on my, my nine being fine. You've got Finn Russell, haven't you? Finn Russell will do a job wherever you put him on the pitch. Yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a class bloke, loves socials, refuses to play because he had a few beers and, you know, what I'll a legend. him. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, Rui, Rui, go on, mate. Mine's very similar to Angus's. Um, Mako, I've got George instead of McAnally. Uh, Stinkler, Mario and Ryan. Curry, Underhill and Bunapola. So, and, um, Curry instead of Watson. 
uh, Cooney, Farrell, and then Manu and Jonathan Davis in the centres, Johnny May, Watson on the wings, and then I can't decide between Williams and Hogg at fullback. Probably go Williams. Um, then Bench, Genge, uh, McAnally, Furlong, Laws, what, uh, Hamish Watson, uh, Ben Spencer, Dan Bigger, and uh, Daly. He'd slot them from miles out, wouldn't he? Up in South yeah, uh, yeah, at altitude. I can see why he might have done that, really. That's good thinking. You know, you might need him to come on and win a game for you from 60 yeah, metres. Yeah. Uh, ben Spencer. That is a rogue one, that one. Well, that is a very good question. Ali Price. He's not an option. Ben Youngs. He's, Willie he's, Hines. He's not an option. Not an option. Willie Hines. Uh, I'd take. Yeah. I'd take both. I'd take both Irish. Irish class. Reese Murray. Webb. Reese Webb. Shout. Uh, not that. I forgot about him. Do you refer? I'd take yeah. Reese Webb. I'd start Cooney and I'd take Reese Webb. No. Yeah. He's there. He's there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, I'll cool. I concede. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, mate. I've got uh, Mako, I've got Cowan Dickey, and then I've Ooh. got Tinkler. I've got Murray and Ryan in the second row. I've got Richie, Curry, and Villapola. I only put Richie in because he's, he's mobile, he's hard as fuck. And also, he's a, uh, he's a fourth line out option. Yeah, very sensible. It's the Sappers. Then I've got uh, Gareth Davies at nine, I've got Finn Russell at ten. I couldn't decide between Watson and Daly at 11. I was thinking Daly for the pens, but then Hogley can slot them from pretty far away as well. Um, Farrell at 12, Jonathan Davies at 13, then Jack Noel at 14, just to deal with those pesky wingers because he's pretty good in D. Um, then on the bench, Jamie George, Rory Sutherland, Tag Farrellan, uh, Courtney Laws, Ross Moriarty, uh, Hamish Watson, Cooney, and Johnny May. Lovely, lovely stuff. Nice. Cool. And then if there probably maybe someone that won't make, make you match day twenty three, but uh, is a potential bolter to go on the uh, to go on the plane to South Africa. Who you know, you guys obviously watch, watch a lot of rugby. So who who is it that who would you take on the on the plane as a bit of a rogue choice on your tour? Could be for whatever reason. I think a potential one. He's not capped for Ireland yet, but it's James Lowe for Leinster. But I think he becomes qualified to play for Ireland at some point soon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, he, if he's good enough to go, I think so. He's, yeah, he's, he's been unreal for Leinster, hasn't he? He's yeah. very. I agree with that, Rue. I've got I've got uh, Ben O, uh, Reece Zamet, Kaelin Doris, Don Brand, uh, Ronan Kelleher, the Irish hooker. Yeah. Uh, I took my one. Sorry, mate. James. And Harry Thacker, because he's probably the best attacking forward in the Prem. Yeah, I, I'd like to see Don Brand get, you know, get a bit of international recognition. Just because he, just because he's had that university experience and now he's doing it at, in, at the top level and like absolutely dominating pretty much every game he plays in. Uh, so, just from that point of view. He's also good enough. I'm amazed he's not yeah. doing it already. I know, but it's also, also from my point of view to show... You know, there's probably another, it shows that there's another way than just going through the academy system to get to get to the top level, um, and how and how sort of underwatched university rugby is because you know three years is a three years is a long time for lads to mature and develop, but actually some some lads need that three that extra three years from eighteen to twenty one or twenty two or whatever it is to develop and get better as players. So uh, it would be good to see him get a bit of recognition. 
And I'm baffled that he didn't get picked up by a Welsh team while he was at uni. I know, I know. Amazing, really. Uh, Hugo, what about you, mate? Apart from well, the, the one that Freeman just... stole. I think Rhys Zimmett, the Gloucester wing. Yeah. I think him would be, you know, just scores tries for fun in the Prem. I, I, I can't watch too much Prem rugby over here because it's on extremely late, but the highlights I've seen, he seems pretty, pretty class. And then I think Don Brandt as well. And then I had Sexton, just for the experience. Um, just as someone who should be on the plane. He's a yeah. good kind of midweek, midweek 10. And could, if, if one of the other boats got injured, then he could step in quite well. Do a job. Yeah, cool. It's good, mm. good reasoning, I guess. I, I think Carberry, just as a um, a lad who's going to be there playing 10 in the midweek games, just to sort of give the other 10s a rest and not sort of force them to play midweek. I think he could be in there for a shout. And maybe Furbank as well. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he got a little call up as well. Yeah, cool. Okay, Again, last, for a similar sort of reason. Last, last thing, rule change. If you could change one law that is currently implied in the, in the game, what law would you change and why? I know exactly what reason Hugo's will be for this. Go on, lads. So got, I've got, I've got, I've got two that I would, I would love to be changed. Change one of mine is players who are held at the back of the ruck, because as a, as a bigger bloke, I find it quite hard to roll away quickly, and I often get trapped. <laughs> so that, that is a bit of a struggle. I would like a bit more leniency towards that. Towards the fatties. <laughs> yeah, bit of leniency because obviously. I'm I'm on the bigger side, and me trying to get away quickly is sometimes after 70 minutes when I'm blowing out my ass is a bit of a struggle. And, and also, also, it's just quite nice he, to lie there and have a bit of a cuddle on the floor for a bit. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, exactly. You know, um, and also the feed and scrums. A couple of years ago, it was policed quite well. We've seen to go back to the age where people can just chuck it in and it can go straight into the hooker channel. I would yeah. like you know greater greater refereeing of that. That would be that would be a key. Those cool. would be my my two rule changes. Brilliant. Is that what you're thinking, Angus? No, I thought he was going to say about the um, box kicking making the ruck really long. I thought he was going to say oh, that. I forgot about um, that. To be fair, that really annoys me as well. I yeah. like that rule. I enjoy it. That would be my third, my third rule. Yeah, I, th- I think they could do something around the. Um, so if a defender, so you know, starts ch- if a defender choke tackles somebody and they're stopping the ball from going to the ground, I feel like it should be the defender's obligation to keep keep it up. As the, and, and the, the attackers have to get it to the ground. Obviously, that is the rule now, but the fact that is that when, um, when they clap, the piles on top and, and then it's a turnover ball. Yeah. I don't know what you could do, but you need to do something around that because I think it's such, a, it, it's such a negative rugby just to have everyone try to pull, it, pull them all down and die on top of it so the ball can't be used. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, t- it's a tough one because, you know, if, you, if, if the defending team holds the ball up, then, you know, they should get the ball, essentially, because they've defended really well and they've stopped they stop the, the the attack from recycling the ball and reusing it. So, uh, but the whole diving on top of it, so it becomes a bit of a shit fight as to who actually took the ball in originally. Is is yeah, probably could do with a bit, a bit of policing and managing. Joey, oh, mine, mine was the same as Dines, really. Uh, the feeding in the scrum get a bit annoying now. Yeah, uh, cool. That's I think. Yeah, I guess. Um, mine would be wrapping the arm when someone chop tackles, and because of the impact, they can't wrap their arms. It looks like just like a shoulder charge. I think being sort of a bit more lenient there would, wouldn't go amiss. You've got these yeah. lads who are running at ridiculous pace and trying to go for a low, fair tackle but can't wrap their arms because of the impact. It's, and then they just get pinged for it. That winds me up a bit. How could you... Uh, what could they do around that then? What do you think? Just let you just dive in at people's ankles with your arms behind your back? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm not saying that. But if it's clear that they've tried to wrap their arms then just let them have it because they've 
it's not as if they have dived in like a penguin just going going <laughs> for ankles with, your, with their shoulders um i've seen you yeah, tackle like that mind. a few times mate have i i'm not sure <laughs> I, I never go <laughs> low i never go <laughs> low i think my i think i'd get concussed again yeah anything else mate uh no that's it good as gold okay. otherwise cool so uh everybody else has looked at stuff that would affect like speed of balls so hugo's looked at rolling away and his feet feeding into the scrum uh joe's looked looked at the scrum stuff ruse looked at sort of maybe some stuff around the defense angus is the only one that's taken player safety out of the equation and, and started <laughs> his head into places where it probably shouldn't go so no, 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 no. It's not. It's not player safety. It's just a bit of leniency if the impact is so high they can't wrap the arms. That was all. Yeah. Okay, uh, the, go on. There's a there's this new thing over here called rapid rugby that uh, there's like the the Western Force owner created. And they've they've got a few interesting rules. It's like 70 minute games. If you score a try from your 22 uninterrupted, you get nine points. I'm rolling Sick. studs. So it's quite. I've watched a few of their games um, on TV and in Hong Kong, and they're, they're quite interesting to watch. They're very different. It's a lot faster. Yeah. Um, there's rolling subs. I think maybe incorporating that would be would be interesting to see how that would work. Yeah, I would love that. Like, mm. you scored nine points if you don't have a ruck. Yeah, no, no. You, you can have rucks, but there's like a certain amount of phases. So I've only ever seen one. It was just offload after offload for about two minutes, and. This bloke's gone to post for nine tries for nine points. Nine even. points. Awesome. Nine points. It's pretty how cool. cool. How cool would it be like to play in that where your coach goes, right, we're going to try and score a nine pointer off you go? My, <laughs> my, um, my mate out in Hong Kong plays for them and he just says it's the most tiring thing he's ever done in his life. Because it's just, you can't, you can't, if you kick the ball out on the full, no matter where you are, you lose it, even if yeah. you're not 22. So they just, it's just endless kicking down, like the throat, your fullback. And because it's 70 minutes, people just go a bit harder. Um, Obviously, playing in the heat over here, like these blokes are just dying. Don't kick the ball away. Don't kick the ball back. Surely, just keep the ball. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep the ball in play. I think there's compared to the the average 18 minute match, there's like the balls in play for like an extra five five ten minutes. Shit. These blokes are just like knackered. That's a long time. I mean, but looking at you know, looking at some of our stats from you know when you guys played, you you the average game like ball in play time is what like. 35 minutes, yeah. something like that. Like when you guys were put, when you guys played and we were getting our stats done, there was one match where you kept the ball in play for 42 minutes. Mm. It's ridiculous. It's like 10 minutes more than an international. Yeah. On um, such, a, such athletes. Yeah, exactly. Mate. On uh, going back to the rules, I just thought of one then. In, in rugby league, they've got quite a good rule where if you carry it over the line and you're held up, instead of a five meter scrum, it's a, it's a dropout. Yeah, so a goal line dropout. So that that'd be quite a good um, maybe incorporation, and it might it might start instead of teams picking and going, it might it might be more attractive to go out wide and actually go for a for a wide try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit more expensive so, rugby. Yeah, I I, I I think that's ultimately that's what they're looking at with loads of the law changes around like how can you know how can we make it more of attractive an attractive proposition and get away from the you know an Exeter bloody how they're good at they're bloody good at it aren't they like the pick and go from the in the twenty two. But yeah. how can we move away from that a little bit? They're 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 the rock criminals who put fucking a hundred blokes behind a rock and kick it. Yeah, <sighs> it's awful. bloody boring to watch. Like I wouldn't oh want to be, God. I wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to be a back in that team. That's for sure. Uh, is that is that you... video of, of Marla when they played Exeter saying just fucking kick it? Yeah. It's like it's, it's, the most, it's the most ridiculous thing. Like 
Oh, really gets under my skin. <laughs> You're doing a lot from that armchair, Dennis. Oh, I am. I could. I, I like that armchair. In this chair. Yeah, it looks very. What's my gaming chair? What's your What's your gaming chair? What's your favourite? What are you playing at the moment, mate? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Dennis, you playing Warzone? Uh, not quite. Yeah, I'm not quite good enough there. I play with Freeman quite a lot. Have you got a headset? Do you wear a headset? No, I'm not quite on Rouge level yet with a headset. Do you talk, just... talk to people? Yeah, uh... every, every night. <laughs> you sad bastard. I'll never, I'll, never, I'll, I'll never forget living with Rue. After, after a, an away game, he came back and Rue plugs into Fortnite and plays with his younger brother's mates. And he was just... He was playing with these, uh, these 13, 14-year-old boys and they said, mate, you are rubbish. You have to sort your life out of this game. You are terrible. And then I was just like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, we can't remember the big boys. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stand the heat. Get out of the kitchen. Oh, <laughs> oh gaming. Uh, right, okay. Like, just uh, to finish off, lads. Last question. So, uh, thinking back to your time at Brooks and involved with the rugby club, uh, what was your favourite social and why? It's been a lot. Um... Struggling surgeries with the Nessus terrorised. I think my one of my favourite socials was one that I led. So I think Janelle had quite a fair bit of work on, and so does Sam HK. So me and Jaris ran it, and it was mainly aimed towards the freshers. So they had to do a silent jug between the two of them. So there were quite a few freshers rocking up, and they had to stay stay outside, come in, get a jug between two of them. Uh, no, it was one jug to their own. And if, as soon as they finished it, they could speak. They had 15 minutes. Um, I've never seen so many drunk people in, in all my life. We had that like, Harry McGill was pouring his, his pint down the sink and then people were snitching on us. We had to do more. I mean, that, that was quite, quite, quite a fun one just because it was, it was relentless. Silent, the silent jug, like speaking to freshers this year, and they're like, that was the best. Like, because yeah, completely... Like, these blokes are like, just like, yeah. Completely quiet. People are like drinking. You got fifteen minutes to do four pints, which isn't that, which is he's pretty doable. But like yeah. this, the amount of spew and chunder that that like, follows. It have like bloats like Will Baird, Viger, Hugh Brown, like running outside, spewing in the street, and then coming back in just to go again. <laughs> and the Black Swan just stunk. <laughs> I was going to say Black- under his location. Yeah, the, the, the yeah the Black Swans had a makeover. Has it? it? Yeah, yeah, it's in the process of having a makeover, and they're, spon- they're sponsoring us next year. It was Ooh. so shit. They're open. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll see how that's made by purple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that, what's that smell? Yeah, we made it like that to mask the smell of the uh, vomit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what about you, Freeman? What was your what was your favorite your favorite session? So many, so many. Um... I think mine would have to be on the special ones, probably like an AGM or something like that. I think my final year AGM was off the chops. It was very, very, very loose. I can't remember much. I remember being in the Black Swan later that evening. I remember... Um, do, you, do, you remember do you remember the AGM in in second year when you whipped the thing in the Black Swan? <laughs> yeah, that's what Yeah, that's what I was going to go on to. I was, I, was, I was at the end of the bar and, you know, the bar mats. Yeah. And you get... Big big sheet and you flick it and it ripples. I yeah. did that and there were about ten pints on it. <laughs> so I flicked it and all these all these pints and fucking fly and we all got booted out. But that was yeah. that, that was, was 
but oh, I, I in that pub oh, in town, like Will GC and that lot, and it was just it was like zombie land. Like no one could speak, no one could move. Like people were just like sat on their like resting on their pints. It was fucking crap. Cracknell scrapping Mark Venue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember um, getting a I remember getting a phone call from <laughs> uh, like a phone call from Fred that evening around. That's it. I'm like I'm not playing for this club again. They're all flats. And I was like. Mate, Social scene's too big. Chill, chill, chill out, mate. I'm not respected. <laughs> he lost his head, didn't he? Yeah, big time. I still give him jiff about that now and say to him that Venue's just a better version of him, like, better mullet, actually got a girlfriend and stuff like that, and Cracknell hates it. Better at, rug- better at rugby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, does it sell Chinese? I'll get a text from him after this, being like, mate, what are you on about? That's so unfair. <laughs> What about you, Gussie? What was your what's your favourite your favourite social? Uh I'm trying to think. You're a bit of a weird one at socials, though, aren't you? Tell yeah, weird, slightly weird bizarre bloke. sometimes. Um well, we had a good Arabian Nights one. We had a good Arabian Nights social where a lot of boys made like a serious effort and we had a few um a few boys were sort of dressed up as belly dancers and that one got quite weird. It wasn't like particularly busy, so it was quite good that we all sort of talked to each other a lot more than we would at one of the massive ones and it just got really strained really quickly <laughs> yeah those, those smaller socials are always good fun yeah yeah do you think why is that just because there are like less blokes there and it wasn't fucking roasting I remember a few of like the early ones when you'd have like 200 blokes piling in and it was just relentlessly hot and also like with the smaller ones you can like pick on people a bit more and you have a few more kind of a few more fun and games you're a good bloke like that, Hugo, aren't you? Well, no, but like, having like a, like a 200 people social, you're getting like, a few fines up and it takes half an hour for people to wander through the crowd. And then you go, I quite like, like the first, I like the first social when all the freshers turn up and you yeah. get to work out who's who and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, those ones are always, always good fun. But the smaller ones are always more looser. It would always be a bit more kind of, I don't know, like a few more stories would come out of them. Yeah, you're, inter- you're probably interacting with different... Like some lads that you might you might not have done previously, or probably wouldn't do on a, on a week to week basis, and then that sort of helps moving. You know that yeah. helps moving forward. Like Angus's, you know Angus and Will's uh, Will Warren's love affair probably started at a, <laughs> probably started at a small well, social. The great the greatest love story in rugby history. Yeah, <laughs> I need to send him a message. Actually, I haven't spoken to him for a while. He He's should. living up in like one of the Soho uh, Soho houses in London, I think. He's probably. I think he's li- he lives in the Ned. Mate, he's big, he's big time now. What a bloke. What about you, Rui? What was it? What was your favourite? Uh, it's not social as such, but last year when we, I think we must have got twenty-five plus boys to play around Cowley. Oh yes, that would be mine. I changed my mind. Yeah, that was pretty. <laughs> that was pretty fun. From you know fresh years up to fourth years, um, that was post grads. Um, it's just, just a really, really good group. It's just, just a lot of fun. Just, just buzzing around Cowley. What, is it just like a random, we're going out for a few pints and 25? What was our kitty? The kitty was massive, wasn't it? It was like 500 yeah. kitty, wasn't it? Have you, have you heard of, do you know what Uwe the Pule is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so we did that. Um, well, I can't remember who was the chicken. Uh, Amphlet. Amphlet, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just a, just a really good group. And it was a good way, good way outside of the sort of standard rugby structures to, to get to know some of the younger boys. Yeah, awesome. Right, lads, that's uh, that's a wrap uh, for for this week. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know all of you are, you know, most of you are still doing some bits and bobs and working and stuff. So, 
thanks for thanks for taking the time uh if you need to if you want to find us then we're available on spotify on apple just search for juan juan jugs if you've got any uh if you've got any questions send it through on insta on the abis instagram or on twitter and we'll try and answer any of those for you but until next week uh we bid you adieu see you later